Acts chapter 1. I am thankful that the Ole Miss game got over so that you could come to church tonight. I noticed our attendance probably went up a little bit because the Ole Miss game uh, finished. Aren't y'all proud, McQuarters? I see you. Where are the Myers, the Mississippi State fans? Y'all proud? We got you. We're coming up on you just this week. Just wait and see what happens. Let me just say a couple things. I, we are thankful to have all of us here tonight, obviously. But there are a couple I wanted to say something about. One, I want you to know that Bruce Lee is in the house tonight. I'm serious. Brother Bruce Lee, raise your hand. Brother Bruce was a music minister at Doline when I met him. Is that is over in Shreveport right now at uh, what's the name of the church again? Graywood Baptist. Baptist is directing the choir, working with different things there, and I'm proud to have him here with us. I met him the very first time in Nicaragua. Well, on the way to Nicaragua, when Brother Jim Wallace from Menden took me down to uh, introduce me to the ministry there at Nicaragua, Brother Bruce was a part of the team as well. Now, see, nobody really likes Jim, so he had to get people he didn't really know to kind of go with him and to go on this trip. But Bruce and I uh, and Brother Jim actually did the evangelism. So it was a great opportunity. The first time I was there in Nicaragua, and, you know, we, I fell in love with the ministry there, obviously, and uh, was very thankful for uh, Bruce. And his wife Marilyn is here. And also, and also a friend that is Connie's sister, right? Now, tell me your name again. What? Bless her heart. That's what people said. Well, we are proud. <laughs> we are proud to proud to have y'all with us tonight. And also for us as a family, I think we ought to celebrate tonight. Proud to have Rodney and Patsy Plummer with us tonight there in the back. And uh, been a subject of prayer for ours uh, for quite a while. And uh, look, all of us are miracles of God. God works in our lives, but we are thankful that God worked a physical miracle in your lives and has and brought you to this point with us. He's going to be continuing to do rehab, and we want to pray for that. But we are very thankful that you're here with us tonight as well. Well, let's look in Acts chapter 1. You know, I'd been really uh, trying to decide uh, what God would have me to do on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights in particular. And people have been asking me, because, I mean, Proverbs, I'm going through and everybody knows I'm going to be there for eternity. And, but they've been asking me, what would you do on Sunday night and what are you going to do on Wednesday? Because you kind of finished up those things. And uh, I said, well, I'm just kind of keep praying through this. I had a few Sunday nights where I wasn't preaching, so I was really trying to find out, seek what the Lord would want, and, uh, and Wednesday night as well. The other day somebody said, well, why don't you just do Elisha? I mean, you did Elijah, keep going, you know, for a little while. And I, I thought about that, and God kind of confirmed that in my heart. You know, that's a great thing. I, I do think I will continue to work through that part of the Scripture and deal with Elisha's life on Wednesday night. But on Sunday night, I want to look at the book of Acts. I told Leslie that this week when I was in L.A. I said, you know, I think God just wants us to study through the book of Acts. And, of course, she rolled her eyes. She's a preacher's wife. She has the liberty. You do not. But she does. She thought, the book of Acts, on Sunday night, you talk about Proverbs being long, this is going to be long, because especially knowing you, you'll go through most of, like, chapter, verse by verse of Acts, and I probably will. 
And uh, you know what, though? It is tremendous. I mean, every time I look at the book of Acts and I start reading through it, it's as though my heart is renewed. I, f- I feel a sense of revival within And I see what the church is doing. I'm talking about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that New Testament church going forth, making disciples, God just empowering them. It is an awesome testimony when you look at the book of Acts. And then I'm reminded that the same God we serve is the same God they served. And the same power they had is the same power we have. And if they could turn the world upside down for Christ... We can turn the world upside down for Christ because the power of the Holy Spirit grants us exactly what we need when we need it to achieve his purpose. I want you to see the way this begins, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 1 of the book of Acts. Dr. Luke writing, he says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, Theophilus, which means like God lover, the lover of God, Some people have thought it was a symbolic term. I think it's an actual person that he's speaking to here. He says, Theophilus, I am continuing the account that I began when? In his gospel, the gospel of Luke, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. In other words, what I began teaching you in my gospel that Jesus was doing, I'm going to now continue to share with you uh, as he demonstrates his work in our lives. Now get this. In the Gospel of Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, Luke shows us what Jesus begins to do and teach. And in the book of Acts, he shows us what Jesus continues to do and teach through his church, through his people. You see that? Oh, and a trivia question here. What author wrote most of the New Testament? Well, wrote the most of the New Testament. That is in volume. In volume, Dr. Luke. You love those preacher questions, don't you? You'll get it on Jeopardy one day. Maybe you'll win 19 times like the other people did the other day. But most in volume, that is. Not the most books, but the most volume. Dr. Luke, he says, I record these things. I recorded them in the gospel. Now I'm recording what he continues to do through his church until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus was continuing in those 40 days to affirm his believers to appear to them uh, perhaps up to 10 times appearing to them to encourage them, to remind them that he was alive and that they were to be about the ministry. Verse 4, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked and steadfast, looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up 
into heaven. This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. The last words of Jesus to his disciples. He leaves them with a purpose. He leaves them with a power. And he designates the place that he wants them to go into. I want you to see here how we have the promise of power that is given by Jesus. He's about to ascend. Here they are on the Mount of Olives. He's about to ascend. He's getting ready. And notice what they begin questioning. questioning. They begin asking, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, if this had been us, we would have grown frustrated at this time. <laughs> or I would have. The same question. I think we've answered this, haven't we? I think we've tried to tell you what the kingdom is and what I've been doing. For three plus years, he had been teaching the disciples. In his death, his burial, resurrection, in the 40 days afterwards, he was trying to instill within them what the kingdom really was. And here they are still thinking about some earthly type of kingdom. Now, really, in the Jewish mind, they believed a Messiah would come back and he would establish the kingdom of Israel. He would lead them into this anti-Roman utopia and everything would be awesome. There would be independence again. And perhaps they're still clinging to some of that. So Jesus clarifies their purpose. He shows patience as he always has. He just simply says, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Don't worry about those things, he says, right now. But rather, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses or witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Notice the purpose that he left his people with. He simply said to them, you will be my witnesses. You will be witnesses unto me. You'll be witnesses. Witnesses to what? Witnesses about what? You see, Jesus called forth his disciples to go forth and to speak about what they had seen, what they had experienced, and the gospel, the good news that comes through Christ. You know, when we're witnessing, it is not just about us. I mean, we might tell our story. We might tell things and how it's been accomplished in our lives. But ultimately, when we give witness, we give witness to Christ. In other words, my major purpose in life is to glorify Christ, to speak the salvation of Christ. That's my purpose. And you look at me and say, makes sense you're a preacher. We would expect you to say that. But I've never noted any second-class Christians in the New Testament. I've never noted that, oh, you got the preachers and the ministers who are going out and speaking Christ, and then the rest of us that kind of just go about our business every day, and if there's opportunity. I don't catch that. If you are a follower of Christ, he has called you to be a witness for him. And oh, how the world today needs credible, authentic witnesses. I was flying back from L.A. Uh, Wednesday, and for some reason, Leslie and I got separated, and I wasn't able to sit by her. 
I think it was something intentional. I don't know why. You assumed it was her that was intentional. But I tell you what I did do. I got to sit in between these two individuals. The individual on my right spoke, I think, only Chinese. She didn't know any English, so I couldn't really carry on much of a conversation with her. But the other guy next to me uh, began talking a little bit to me, and and uh, I asked him how he was, and he began telling me how he was traveling back to Florida to uh, his father's funeral, that his father had passed away, and he was going back there. And, and he looked at me, and he said, what are you doing? What, what have you been doing? I mean, some reason, he picked up that I wasn't from L.A., You think? And I said, well, you know, I was here and we were looking at the church plants and different things that are going on. And, you know, I'm a pastor. And, and that opened up some very interesting conversation. He looked at me and he, he said something like, well, you know, I believe the second coming of Christ is soon. I said, well, you know what? It may very well be. We don't know the time or day. I do know it's closer today than it was yesterday. I think it may be close. He said, yes. And he began talking. I thought, well, this guy's got some kind of grasp on the gospel. He knows something. But then he turned and said, and you know, I think that really all religions will, will make it okay. I think one day when we, I, I think it'll be fine for everybody and their religions. And I said, well, I said, that's not my understanding of the scripture. I said, you know, Jesus said that no man would come unto the Father except through him. And I believe Jesus is the exclusive way to salvation. Well, you know, I understand that, he said. And I said, and think about this a moment. Do you believe that God the Father would have ever sent his one and only son to die for us if there was another way? That wouldn't have been a good father. If, if it had been okay to just follow any religion and do anything, there would have been no need for Jesus to come. He looked at me and he said, you know, you, you may be right about that. I said, I think I, think I am. And I began sharing with him. He, he never came to that place where I was comfortable that he knew Christ, but at least it was an opportunity to be able to share. And, you know, I got to thinking about that. That is just the witness of Christ that he calls us to share every day where we are, every day. Witnesses. Well, Brother Reggie, I've not, I've not been through like 18 training sessions of faith. I've not been to seminary. I've not done. I am absolutely in support of training. I'm absolutely in support of equipping. But as we move through the book of Acts, and you'll see this, and I'll bring it out several times. You'll probably get tired of it, but I'm going to remind you time and time again. They didn't have all those classes. They didn't have to get motivated about Christ by attending a seminar. They were motivated by Christ because they had experienced his salvation. And they wanted to just give witness to what Jesus Christ had done in their lives. What they had seen. One of the reasons I believe our people today, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in general, one of the reasons I think that we can't give the witness or have the the, the efforts and witnessing that we have had in the past is I, I really believe that a lot of us have never had that true authentic salvation experience. I'll just put it out there for you. 
Because I believe if Christ really saved us and changed us, there would be something within us where we would want to give a witness for him. You wouldn't have to motivate people. I think it would be a natural motivation. Look, I never deserved to be saved. I was a sinner just like you. Lost, lost, lost. But Jesus Christ provided people in my life so that I might hear the good news of Christ and come to salvation in Him. And God in His grace brought salvation to my life. And because of that, there is something that has gripped my soul that makes me want to say to others, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And I believe that there has to be that abiding consequence, that abiding work of the Holy Spirit in your life that will motivate you to witness. He says to just just witness. It's going to be a powerful thing as we see the gospel. As God uses just ordinary people. I mean, they're even going to be called out as unlearned ordinary people. They're going to be called out in that way. And yet God uses them in a powerful way. And God can still use individuals today. Because look, this is our purpose. The purpose is to give witness to Christ. That's our purpose. He has allowed us to do that in each area that we go, in each area that we live, in each area that we're called. Notice what he says. He said, you are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Do you see the strategy? Start where you are, Jerusalem. Go to Judea. Go to Samaria. And then go to the ends of the earth. And really, if you want to outline the book of Acts, there's your outline. You can outline it right there. Because the gospel will go from Jerusalem to Judea in Acts chapter 8 or so to Samaria in Acts chapter 10. You're to the Gentiles. And then toward the end, you're at the center of the empire, Rome itself. Because God was working. You might want to write this down because I will ask you this one. The purpose statement of the book of Acts. Probably Dr. Frank Stagg, who taught at New Orleans, captured it as well as anybody. The gospel overcoming every barrier that is set before it. It shows us the gospel overcoming every barrier. And there will be all kinds of it. You'll notice when you're reading through that there will be things like uh, church internal strife. There there will be like governments. There will be like officials that will come against the gospel. There will be geography itself. I mean, think about this. They're doing this in a day where they don't have flights or cars or anything else They're going all through the kingdom. I mean, there are all kinds of barriers that will come against the gospel. And when you get to the end of the book of Acts, you'll see that the gospel will overcome every one of them. From Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to 
the ends of the earth. That's still a pretty good strategy for us to follow. Our Jerusalem, right where we are. Judea, maybe just a little farther out. Samaria. Samaria, which was not only a geographical area, but was really identified by an ethnic group. And then from there to the ends of the earth. I think God continues to call us as Temple Baptist Church to be involved in these different areas of sharing Christ. And I think God has worked in our history as a church to really lead us in these different areas. This this is not a new thing for us. This is something that Temple has embraced in years past. But it is a task that we should continue to embrace. May I share with you a couple of, I think, opportunities that God is giving us. I met with our deacon council this afternoon. I shared with them a couple of these opportunities. And I just want to share with you some of the things that God is continuing to work in our heart. You know, a few months ago when I came, I recognized how blessed we are. We are blessed. Can you say amen? We are more than blessed as a people and as a church. God has granted us resources. I'm not talking about financial resources. I'm talking about personnel. I'm talking about people that love the Lord. I'm talking about resources that God has worked in and given to us. And I really believe, and I, I believe in the heart of my hearts, that to whom much is given, much is required. And if he has blessed us, then he has called us to bless others and to make a difference in other people's lives. I I really believe that if we're not faithful using the things and the people and the situations that God has given us, then he might very well just say, I'll give it to somebody who will. He wants to use us and give resources. And I think he wants to use us in our community. I think he wants to make a difference in Ruston and beyond. I think he wants to use us to make a difference here in our our state and in our country and in the world itself. And I see individuals that God is raising up. I see people that God is working in their hearts. People who are saying, you know what? God is calling me to be a part of this ministry, a part of that ministry. God is calling me to uproot my family and go here. And God is calling me to go and plant a church there. It is amazing. I wish I could tell you every story that I have seen in the last few weeks of how God is working. I can't right now because some of them God is still working through and doing logistics before we, we put it out there publicly. But it is awesome to be a part of a place where you know God is working in such a way to extend his witness. But two, as I said, two of the things that I think God is doing is challenging us as we work locally That as we extend his gospel here, that we partner with other churches, as we talked about the associational prayer time, we partner with other individuals to help them, to encourage them. Do you understand the number that I gave you a few Sunday nights ago? 900 Southern Baptist churches are closing their doors. 900 are closing their doors every year. My understanding is there's about two within 12 miles 
that before the year is up may close their doors. I think that's a tragic, tragic thing to happen. So what we have done, I went to Brother Barry, our associational director of missions, and I said, Brother Barry, do you know a church we could help? Because I think God has equipped us to just partner with somebody, not us taking over and doing just partnering with somebody and seeing if we can help as they share the gospel. Because, look, we're not in this by ourselves. Hey, thank God we're not in this by ourselves. But we have other individuals who are believers who are seeking to extend his message. He said, you know, I think, I, I think I've got somebody. I think I've got somebody that you might want to talk with, I think he wants to talk with you. So just a few weeks ago, I met with Brother Randy Ray, who is the pastor at St. Rest. Some of you know where St. Rest is. And St. Rest is facing many challenges right now. And Brother Randy came and he said, you know, a few uh, really years ago, about three years ago or so, I wanted to approach Temple. And the only reason I want to approach Temple then was because I knew Dr. Rick in some way, and he's about the only pastor I really had known from a different place before we came to Ruston. I wanted to talk to him and see, and and then Dr. Rick got sick, and things just happened, and he looked at me and he said, we've been praying for this day and for you to call for quite a while. We've been praying. And I said, you know, what can we do? And we began talking through some things. And, and over the last few weeks, as I've talked with our staff and looked at the possibilities, there's some partnership. Now, this is a step-by-step partnership that we're entering in. Not any kind of formal agreement. Not any, and it's nothing. Look, we've done some of this stuff before. It's just being intentional of saying, what can we do? to help reach individuals out there that temple never will reach. What can we do to help you all? So over the next few weeks, we've talked about trying to help with a survey of the community. Not temple going to do it, but we partnering with St. Rest to do it. Maybe a survey. Maybe we've helped with Bible school. We've done that before here. We've sent individuals, teams to go help with vacation Bible school. Perhaps we can... um, Perhaps we can piggyback on that and do some things. We've got a young man in our church that that is maybe going into the ministry. They need some help in their worship. Maybe we send him out there for that Sunday, for a few Sundays, to help them to see what we can do. It's step by step. And look, there are a lot of challenges. It may not just turn around overnight. And I want to be real about it. But I believe that we ought to at least give it a shot and do what we can to help. And you know what this does for us, too? It reminds us that we're part of the kingdom and we're witnessing together. And also, it helps develop the leadership that we have here. This young man that we talked with, he's from that area originally. Knows some of the people. God works, doesn't he? His own way. So we want to partner with St. Rest. I had waited about saying anything until we had our timeline with him down so that he could speak to St. Rest and we could speak to Temple. But those are, I think, kingdom things that we ought to be doing as we share the love of Christ. Because we can go to Nicaragua. You know, I have a heart for that. 
We can go to other places, but we need to be witnesses right where we are. And let me say this to you. You ought to be a witness every day. Every day in your workplace, every day in your community, you ought to be a witness. I used to have people that would look at me and they would say, Now, are you taking 28 to Nicaragua? I said, yeah, we're taking 28 to Nicaragua. 28, we need to do stuff around here. I said, I agree with you. At Zachary, I guess average attendance was about Sunday worship, 750. I said, okay, so 750, here we are. I'm taking 28 with me this week. I've left far enough to be here to do the work, okay? And remember, I only take them like two or three weeks out of the year. So, I mean, come on, people. You can go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You can do that and not have to forsake one or the other. You can do all of it. And you can touch every area. Because we are to be on mission every day. I don't have a moment to take off, nor do you have a moment to take off from the gospel. We can't afford to take off from declaring the gospel. So that's one area. When you think about our nation, we see a nation that is growing more and more hostile toward the gospel of Christ. I went to L.A. this week. Can't get into it all. I don't have enough time. The deacons are saying, please don't. We'll be here till 8 o'clock. We were in that meeting with you already. It was awesome the way God worked just connecting dots because I was at a church revitalization where I was thinking about St. Rest and other things. I was at that conference and somehow I got hooked up with Johnny Hunt, who was former president of the Southern Baptist Convention and ended up going with him and 20 plus other pastors out to LA to look at some of the things that were going on. And I was reminded of the vast lostness of our nation. There are about 10 million people there in Los Angeles itself. I think it The number is 19 in the greater Los Angeles area. 19 million people. There is a sea of lostness. You understand why our nation is going the way it's going. Walk into some of these areas. And see individuals. Who have been blinded. By Satan himself. And who are walking in darkness. We have got to do something. To penetrate the lostness of our country. And we've got to go into these areas that are tough. You want to talk about tough. I saw some of the church planters that were there. I visited. Some of you remember uh, Barry Rogers. Um, Some folks had told me about Barry that was president of the BCM here at Tech and had gone, had preached, I think, here a time or two at Temple. And I got to visit with him when I was there. He's on a leadership team and talk about the lostness. God has called us as a church not just to remain in our comfortable areas, but rather to go and to share his good news with those who are lost. Because get this, if we believe what we say, if we really believe what we say, that Jesus is the only way, there are millions that are perishing 
without Christ. All around our globe. And there are thousands and thousands every day that are perishing in the United States of America. We've got to get the gospel out. We've got to be witnesses. So hopefully in the days to come we can partner with some of the areas that we really have already been working in. And and God's speaking. Some of our college students, I think uh, you saw just a few Sundays ago, 27 that are going with our sin cities. I mean, we had college students uh, going in every direction. If you were here that Sunday, did you see? I mean, they're going in every direction. Thanks be to God. And he's called us to invest within them and to help them as they go in these different areas and as they're called. And hopefully as we look at L.A. and we partner with some of those opportunities there that one day, as I told the deacon council today, can you imagine one day us being able to look and, and see what God's done and that we just had just, we were able to have just a little part of that? I, I'm praying God would build churches that would double the size of temple. What would that do for the kingdom in Los Angeles and beyond and for our nation? Look, we complain about our nation a lot. We complain about the politics. May I tell you the best thing that our nation can be introduced to? The gospel, Jesus Christ. We want to see a change. It's not going to come just through electing a man. It's going to come to the point of us coming back and being reminded that we have a king. And his name is King Jesus. And we need... To preach and share. Witnesses. And look, we do all these things, not in our own might. If we're trying to do it in our own might with our finances and all that other stuff, we're going to fail. But notice what he said. He said to his disciples, you wait here. Now, don't, you, don't you think they're ready to get out and talk to somebody? Don't you get a little impatient? I mean, you get a little impatient, right? I've seen some of you drive. I know you get impatient. I bet they were so, wait, what do you mean, Jesus? I want to get out. I want to tell people that you, I want to talk to people. He says, no, you got to wait. Wait? Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that makes some of you nervous. What does it mean? It means that baptism means the word. If you were really to uh, translate it instead of just transliterate it, I think it means immerse. It means you're immersed in the Holy Spirit. Immersed. It's not a. It's not one of these things as we'll talk. We'll talk about some of the misunderstandings of the baptism of the Holy Spirit as we work through the Book of Acts. We'll talk about tongues. We'll talk all about that stuff as we work through. For tonight, let me just say this to you. When the people of God, when they were baptized, they were immersed in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit came to live within, and the Holy Spirit empowered them. I said to you before, if God can take these disciples, and he can empower them in such a way, we should believe that we could be empowered in such a way as as well. Because the Holy Spirit's not changed. He's not weakened in his power. The Holy Spirit is just as powerful as ever. And he still wants to work in our lives. See, Jesus, the Gospel of Luke, 
the things that Jesus began to do and teach, the book of Acts, the second volume, the things that Jesus continued to do through his church as the Holy Spirit empowers them to go into all the world. I'll never forget a story that our executive director of the Mississippi Baptist Convention told when he came to Blue Mountain College. I, I remember him speaking one night for our church-related vocations banquet, and he gave this story. Now, this is not a biblical story, okay? Did you hear me? Wake up some. Stop listening to the LSU game. Listen. This is not a true story, so don't go out of here and quote me on this one. But he told a story like a parable. Always spoke to me. He said it regards Jesus after he ascended into heaven. He said, when Jesus went back to heaven, he met one of the angels. One of the angels looked at Jesus and said, hey, we heard what's going on. The kingdom is, has come in so many ways and Great things happening. We heard what you've done. We've heard that you left a great government down there to be able to establish your programs and your policies and your kingdom. We heard about the government. Jesus said, no. I didn't leave a government. And then one of the other angels said, no, no, we heard. It wasn't a government. We heard that you left this great military army, a military army of thousands and thousands that would go forth and just defeat all of your enemies. We heard that's what you did. And Jesus said, no, that's not what I did. One of the angels looked around and said, well, Jesus, what did you do? And he said, well, you know, I had 12. Twelve that walked with me. One betrayed me. Eleven. Eleven disciples and a few others that had come along. But basically eleven, the core, and, and I left them. One of the other angels said, eleven? You left eleven? To speak your kingdom? To speak your message? To the whole world? Eleven. Plus a few others. Now think about that a moment. Jesus left eleven disciples. Plus a few other followers. And he gave them the task. Of taking the gospel. To the whole world. Many of us would not take those odds. We would not believe, humanly speaking, that would be possible. And humanly speaking, you would be right. But when you add to the equation the power of the Holy Spirit of God and God's purpose, it not only was possible, it happened. And the gospel spread. And the gospel went forth. My friends, if God can take 11 and a few others and do what he did then, 
What could he do with a congregation called Temple Baptist Church? What could he do to affect our communities, our nation, and our world? I believe it's not only possible. I believe it can happen. Not because I'm a preacher and I'm optimistic. Because I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit can empower us, encourage us to make disciples and to change our nation, to change our community, and to bring His glory to the nations. I pray you join me as we pray, as we go, as we give. Let us be his witnesses here and beyond. Let us be his people in every way.